It's un-Nigerian. It's against our culture. It's not allowed by our religion. This thing isn't in us, it comes from over there. I'm an African and there are some things I can never accept. How often have you heard these phrases or others like them? How often have you said and thought them? In recent years, hardly a day has gone by that we have not come across these arguments, whether in the newspaper, on the radio, in church or mosque, in discussions with friends, eating with family, gisting at work or arguing on Facebook or Twitter. Talk of queerness is everywhere. It seems everyone has an opinion, despite not being or knowing a gay, or rather, without admitting that they know someone or are themselves gay. This book is a response to these discussions. It aims to correct the three types of erasure we see in this conversation. The first is the erasure of queer people from the discussion about their own lives. Queer people are both hypervisible and invisible. Talks about or missing from the center of the conversation. The voices and realities of the millions of queer Nigerians, estimated to be more than a population of Lagos, are largely absent from the debates. The second type of erasure is the rewriting of the rich histories and cultural traditions of diverse sexualities and gender norms in the land now known as Nigeria. Living outside gender norms and heterosexual relationships of fluidity in gender is not new. They may not be the same as those reflected in the language, films, and TV shows of the West, as well as contemporary Nigerian cultural industries, but they are part of Nigerian history, culture, and tradition, not in opposition to it. The final erasure is the state of denial or conscious forgetting many people engaging of their own experiences and those of people they know. Those things you did in secondary school, that's a married uncle who lived with his friend until he died. Yandao do you buy from, or indeed, the strong, powerful grandmother who had a wife to give her children. They hardly ever make it into private or public discourse. you she's not far and I did not kick her out and this is not some sort of revolution but we are trying a new thing where we are interviewing people far and wide and this is for she called me woman from Nigeria and we have got one of the editors in the studio today all the way from Abuja can you introduce yourself my baby When you like technology and you like things and you try to make the plans to happen. So basically, my baby girl is outside and she's not fine. She's listening to this interview, but because of logistical things, she could not be in the studio right now. But so we're here to discuss this incredible book, this incredible book. But first, as one of the editors, can you introduce your other editors?
questions and then tell us a little bit about yourself because we like to know people on this podcast, hey? Okay, so this book, She Called Me Woman, Nigerian Queer Women Speak, was edited by three of us, myself, who have told you my name, and uh, Rafiat Aliyu, and uh, Chitra Nagarajan. So Rafiat Aliyu is a researcher and has worked over the years documenting the history of homosexuality on the African continent. And Chitra works on peace and security and has done extensive work and research to around Nigeria on uh, issues to do with uh, homosexuality. So yeah, we came together to edit this um, narrative of stories by queer women. Can you imagine that? Dude, like, yeah. it's so wild. Like, when I remember when, like, Rafa told me she was doing it, I was just like, bruh, you out here doing the things. Also, that is quite a team. That is actually quite a team of like mix you guys are mixed bag of skills because you because you have refused to tell us your lifestyle choices you do security don't you digital security okay so my day job was the bills the I'm a digital security trainer mm-hmm. basically I train you on how not to get hacked and how to get all your things digital and make sure you're being safe and secure on the internet that's what pays the bills. That's what pays the bills. Or and harasses the friends because you made me join Signal. Like yeah, this woman. It doesn't make sense in 2018 that everybody has not done Facebook and WhatsApp and isn't using Signal. How are we gonna tell? How are we gonna tell people that our relationships are com- uh, are complicated? And how are we gonna Snapchat? And how are we gonna do tiny stories about food we're eating if we're not on like Instagram and Facebook? You can't do that on signal okay wait no but this is not a debate as to how safe we are we're here to talk about this book and like first things first guys like how did you even begin to collect these stories how like oh my god so the history of the book started out with um a certain book called Barig Mistagil mm-hmm. sorry Mistagil which was made by the folks at me in uh, Lebanon mm-hmm. Chitra had a copy of the book when she came to Nigeria and she read it and it was a wonderful book so that book got passed around most of the queer people in Nigeria and we all read it and loved it you got the one book guys the one book the one copy <laughs> the one copy of the book and everybody reads it so that's what happened and then we had other books like Queer Africa and we read other anthologies and we're like you know what I think it is time that queer women took their own stories in their own hands and told it the way they wanted to. Because before the law in Nigeria, the Same-Sex Marriage Prohibition Act was passed, everywhere we went to, people were talking about homosexuality. Mm-hmm. The voice of homosexuals was not in the conversation, especially the voice of women. And we're like, okay, bro, calm down. It's not just going to be the bros. We're going to put our voice together. Yeah, because the... Together, and we did the thing. Because the bros do take up a lot of space, guys. Like, we out here always hearing about MSM, men who have sex with men, and, like, the, like, gay experience and HIV. So you guys came together and you're like, there is going to be a queer woman's voice within Nigeria, a concentrated queer woman's voice. And then the men jumped on it. They were like, oh, my God, we think it's a good idea. How can we support this and back it up? So we were super excited about that. Mm-hmm. They didn't see it as a threat. They were like, okay, how can we get help? And they went out of their way and introduced us to folks that we didn't know and put us in touch with other organizations. Mm-hmm. It was a really good collaboration. Like, no, that, that does actually sound amazing. So, like, now in terms of the actual collection of the stories, um, from what I can gather, you guys actually went and 
interviewed people like to their faces or was you like yeah. signaling people because yeah. you don't have Skype? Yeah, it's a large country. It is huge. Around the country, going to different cities to talk to different people. We made sure we covered the entire um, zones of the country to get stories that were as different and diverse as possible because we wanted to show different like different snapshots of what the lives or realities of queer people were. Mm -hmm. We spoke to young people, we spoke to older people, we spoke to trans women, we spoke to cis women, we spoke to bisexuals, we spoke to just like Hardcore lesbians, everybody. Has everybody. <laughs> I love it. Hardcore lesbians, those ones who aren't playing about, not playing about with their lesbianisming. So like, yes. so now how? So now you went to all these different places, and like the way you said. Three of us traveled to different places. We sat down mm -hmm. in the rooms with people. Uh -huh. Right. Sorry, about the stories of their lives and asked them really personal questions. Like, how did you feel about? about their childhood, the first time they had maybe had feelings for women, mm -hmm. the first time they had maybe had sex like, with women, mm -hmm. and they reconciled so with their feelings, their sexuality, with their faith, and we talked about things like abuse in relationships, okay. so it was very, it was an interesting experience, yeah. and so we took those stories from the interviews and we turned them into narrative stories, mm -hmm. and then we went back to those people again in person. In person. And read the story. Yes. One more time. Over the internet because we really wanted to ensure that people were safe again. Mm -hmm. I needed to make sure that people were safe. No, God bless. <laughs> yeah. We ensured that everything was encrypted, was handled safely, and at no point were people going to get into trouble. Because a lot of people at that point were also not out. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to figure out a lot of things in their life. So we needed to do that. And we went back in person and sat down with them and edited the stories for actual representations. Also ensure it was the way that they had sent it to us and that it was repeated just again exactly the way the story was to us. Because that is actually something like I picked up when I was reading um, the story, right? Well, you stop moving around. Girl, what's wrong with you? Sit down. <laughs> so that is actually something I picked up when I was reading. It, it feels like tiny monologues, right? The whole thing, it doesn't have that, you know, sometimes when you have like anthologies and collections of stories, people try and weave it in a way that is very sort of like, oh my gosh, this is like semi-fiction type thing. But this just felt like you were sitting with somebody and you were reading a very, very like curated transcript. Like, and it just, yeah. So was that on purpose? Yeah, we wanted to be first-person narratives. Mm -hmm. We wanted you to read the book and feel like you had just sat down with a fair woman and heard her story in her own words. Mm -hmm. So that was very deliberate. We considered many different things, and in the end, it was what felt true because we really are trying to give, because people say, oh, speak for people. No, we wanted to hand over the microphone to them and ensure that they spoke and they told their stories. So how did you actually, so now you say that, even because you've explained how you got people comfortable post the process and what I really want to know is how did you get people comfortable to tell their initial stories because a lot of these people you said you didn't even know and now you're telling them and now you're getting them to tell not only a story that is wildly intimate but also wildly dangerous like to be out here being like so the first time I was like faxing with a girl and I hear hello please <laughs> So, as I said, these, we had all done like extensive work on uh, queer women 
performance issues, like people who had heard about it um, had known about the work that we had done in the past about performance issues. So I guess there was that level of trust from the very beginning that we were going to try and do a good job. And also, um, I think my experience as a facilitator helped me put people at ease. Mm -hmm. And Rafi and Chitra have also been doing this for a very long time mm -hmm. as researchers, as anthropologists. Mm -hmm. So we really tried our best. We sent them advanced material to show them exactly what we were doing mm -hmm. and why and mm -hmm. how we were going to do it to ensure that they were comfortable ahead of time. And we ensured that they determined where, where we were going to do the interviews, what spaces. We asked them ahead of time what questions were okay, what questions or what themes that they didn't want to talk about in case there was trauma or things that they didn't want to deal with. So we really tried ahead of time to put preparation as key. And I think people also really wanted to talk. They wanted to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. People have been closeted for so long that it was just great to have somebody sit down and listen to their story. So that also played a big part in it. Okay, okay. No, I really, I really, really love that. So I, another thing I picked up within, like, sort of the whole process was a lot of people loved to tell the genesis of their queerness. Like, you know one of those when time, like, you know one of those, like, when you start from the very beginning. Like, there's no one... Right! Right! And I, and I think that's so powerful because that's such an important story because there's actually a, one of the stories I was reading Dang, never I've forgotten the one. But one of them said that one of the things they'd never found when they were searching about their queerness was Genesis stories. So like all of the stories they heard where they're like, I realized I was queer at 10 years old were all coming from like the States and this and that. And you know, you've got all those stories. But like, and I know that's even why we started Holler because when we were trying to fi find out about like, you know, being queer, there's nothing there. So like with, with people, was it important for them to say where their queerness started or was it just that they, they it was just a natural thing it was part natural but it was also something that we made an effort to ask okay the reason that so many times people say homosexuality is un-african it's un-nigerian it's against our culture it's not something that we do we really wanted to show that it was the authentic experiences of people without any western or outside experiences so we really wanted to know when did you discover you were queer or when did you start thinking like this and people were really open about it Okay, so for you, I know which stories like really touched my soul, which touched my eternal soul. But like for you guys as the researchers, and especially for like you personally, which stories were there some of your faves? Were there some that you were like, you know, ooh, okay, like this is not a real thing? I think what I'm trying to get at is how did you guys decide what goes in? Because I'm probably, I'm presuming you got reams and reams and reams of like material. Man, and it was so great to be able to have so much of that to work with. Um, and I think one of the things that we had discussed, especially also with the publishers, is that we're going to put longer versions of these things online so people can access it. And also yes. Make it into the book. Yes. Listen, we tried our best to get a couple of things as to age, as to sexualities, as to gender representation and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and in the end, it was really the stories that people allowed us to tell because also one of the things we did is that we, we told people that at any point, they can withdraw their narratives. Mm -hmm. And that happened. We lost, I think, about half of the narratives. Like people just... 
Yeah, they felt nervous or they felt scared or they, they were just uncomfortable mm-hmm. with their stories being out there. They were not sure if there was going to be backlash or if their families were going to find out. So a couple of people would do their stories and there were a couple of really, really lovely stories in there that I really wish made it, but hopefully they will make it onto the online version. Do one of those, uh, which is the one I'm about to tell you, mm-hmm. one of those older couple, they are the sweetest, honestly. Well up into their forties, I think late forties, mm-hmm. and they have two kids together. What? South African, they got married. Okay. Oh. And it was sweet. It was amazing. And then they came back to Nigeria, and they're living together, and they're raising a family. And their parents said to them, "Well, after the whole initial full of Alu and the resistance, one of their parents actually said, one set of parents said." Um, we don't care what you do, but we want to be part of a wedding or ceremony or whatever. Whether it's just a party on the beach that solemnizes your relationship. You, you, Niger- you Nigerians love weddings, hey? You love weddings. Yeah, we love weddings. <laughs> Come on, this is like a man in his 70s telling his daughter that he wanted to be there for the celebration. Oh, that's incredible. Between she and her partner, who's also female. And I was just like, mind blown. We don't hear these stories. No. But so many people have found acceptance, and I think it's it's a big deal, and we need to make as much... Um, What's the as much noise as possible to put these stories out there? Yeah, so it's not like the idea of acceptance is like that one thing of oh those ones who moved to the states and their third generation like actual acceptance in real time because there were a couple of stories like that that made it in a couple of like the acceptance stories where it's like there's one that quotes my mom is my best friend and it's sort of like the mom's like wait where is it she says something like her mom's her best friend um, yeah and I think. It's, it's in doing things my way so the one line that goes I'm pretty close to my mom, she's like my best friend she knows I date women she complains that I do not have a man in my life saying, Abby, you want marry woman, like please just say that line for me Abby, you want marry woman you better don't try <laughs> yes, you better don't try it, I was just like because th- that resonated with me so much because that is my experience with my mother, like my mother knows my partner of 8 years, but sometimes she sits there she's like where is my son-in-law and then and then in the same breath she'll be like oh Sipu's birthday is on the 4th of May and then we'll go to a market for two hours to get that woman a really great hoodie now it's so up the night they have this moment where they kind of want the heteropatriarch or something that they expected to want mm-hmm. and then they get over it but every so often they kind of fix it like head out. Yeah, no, like that's that is a really great vibe. But also, we have to talk about no. So we're gonna talk about this briefly because we all know about it a lot. But the theme of violence was something that seemed to pop up a lot because you guys kept giving caveats at the beginning of um, the the chapters that had like say sexual abuse or physical and emotional violence. So that that did crop up a lot. How did you guys handle that? Like even like sort of psychologically emotionally people telling these these really deep stories hey like where even even where abuse is not even linked where abuse is not even linked necessarily to their queerness but just people telling their stories so how did you guys like handle that um so the book was really at a point it was emotionally draining even for the editors and also for the people who helped just transcribe um the interviews Mm -hmm. because um as much as we wanted to represent the story of queer women, 
we first had to deal with the issue of being female in Nigeria. I mean, oh, and that always comes with the views. I think that's something that every Nigerian can connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, people have experienced so much violence because of their gender, not even because of their sexuality. And uh, that really did come through. And there were times that you would sit down and you would talk to somebody and you have to remind yourself that you are there as an interviewer, as a researcher, mm-hmm. and you needed to be... Um, detached. If not, I think there were stories that I could have broken down just listening to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we tried as much as possible to provide them with support that was available within our networks so that they could reach help. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was something that needed to be long-term because we were also aware that we could not provide the kind of support that they needed. But we ensured that we could stay in touch with organizations that had those supports that we could put them in touch with. So we tried to do that, and sometimes we were not always successful in trying to just be researchers. There were times that we stopped interviews, and we just sat down with people, and just we let the moment be, because it's really, like, there's a lot of heartbreak in Nigeria, and it really came through, even though we were just trying to talk about queerness, Mm -hmm. their lives shone through. Yeah, guys, because life is so, so damn real. But I do, and I said, I said, and I'm going to, I'm going to pull my holo card out my ass and be like, no, we're not going to stay in this dark place for long. But one thing I'm just saying, thank you for like handling that nicely. Because you know, sometimes researchers and interviewers like to come in like Batman, steal your story and be like, so you cool, bitch? I cool. Peace. I'm out. Like, so the fact that you guys actually held that space, because that's one thing I did worry about. Like personally When I was reading these stories I was like Damn How did you like Get some of these stories Like Where somebody We're not even going to let us do that Also The publishing house Was very involved in these things And they were on us At every time And the publishing house Is Cassava Republic Ne? Cassava Republic Which is just like The most amazing Publishing house Yes been in touch with And I've been in touch With a couple So It was a really great partnership They understood What we're trying to do they put their necks out there for us mm-hmm. and it's been great so far we stayed in touch with the people like when we're having issues as what to do with the name mm-hmm. we got in touch with most of the people and we're like what do you feel and we took polls mm-hmm. among um, the, the, the people who had told us our stories as to what names that they preferred mm-hmm. we also did that with the cover of the book so it was a really it was an, we tried to make the process as um, inclusive and as involved as possible with the people who have sat down to tell us their life stories. No, nice. I love it. But I also love... Um one of the things I also really, really, really love about the thing is how sometimes there's the everyday, and I love the everydays that involve sex. So I'm, so as you know, Tiff is all about that lifestyle choice, right? So we're going to discuss two stories where I was like, I right, cool. So in doing things my way, I'm going to read one of like the quotes that I really loved, right? So the, 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 I don't know, do you call them the narrator, the contributor? What do you call the people who... We call it the narrator most of the time. All right. All right. So the narrator. Damn. After going to Nigeria recently, like I sometimes, I know this is exoticization of my people, but guys, I I really wish I had a Nigerian accent to read this right now. But I'm gonna read it in my accent. Y'all gonna be happy. It's fine. So anyway, so this one goes. I enjoy sex a lot. It is important. Sex is a total package of foreplay, and the actual act of for of penetration. I am also adventurous. I am open to things. I do not believe it should happen only indoors, that it should be on the bed or that it must be a certain way. It can be anywhere. 
And as long as there is that spark, that fire, I can do anything. We can have sex in the car or on the table. When we are not at home, we can excuse ourselves, go to the bathroom and do one quick thing. Not inviting this person to my house because clearly they cannot be trusted with nice things. <laughs> we can have sex. Can be trusted with nice things because they want to just have sex all the time. Dude, we can have, we can have sex in front of our friends. I was like, I read this, I was like, bitch, what? I'm like, we can have sex in front of our friends. I'm like, did, did we ask for this? So I just really love the fact that it it just deals with such like a holistic, holistic thing, right? And how it deals with like people's intimate stories. And there's some... It does. And you know what? Another thing that's also brilliant is that it also deals with the problematic. It deals with the like high-key problematic. I think there's like where it's not even just the problematic of like, oh my gosh, being queer, na 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 But like even like you look at the some stories, there's one story that talks about how um there's very heteronormative roles within like where it's like yeah the more masculine presenting ones will be telling me to what don't don um i think uh, there was one who said i want my wife to be at home at a certain, at, at certain time and she has to take a job that allows her to be home to take care of the kids at this time and if she can't get that then i don't think she should keep a job and i was like what, what? right no. like and, and and two like and 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 you just be like but it's two women so like are you not trying to like subvert heteronormative but no because even in focusing in joy talks about like gender roles and stuff and how like the the more masculine presenting of her partners would actually be like would say hurtful things and be like are you really gonna wear that and it's almost like embracing not embracing because embracing makes it sound like some sort of beautiful thing like oh my gosh embrace the sunset and like toxic gender roles but like so there's just this idea of like sort of Yes, yes. So like an acknowledgement of these things. And I think, wait, there's another one that I'm trying, but my train of thought is now gone, but it's fine. So was this part, was this deliberate to have not only the problems that, because you know, the narrative is always the problems that, you know, people, the queer community faces externally, but we never love to show our messy. And I love that this kind of showed our messy. Like, I was like... The drama is in there, oh my god, all the relationships are where we try our very best to keep it in there and not take it out. Like sometimes and like we interview exes so you can see like different parts <laughs> of like the same relationship being like different eyes. Yeah, it's in there. Like there's the there's the one person who talks about how the they cheated on their ex-girlfriend and now their ex-girlfriend is dating their friend. And I was like, that's what you get. I was like, that's what you get now. I'm like because we are because we always try and because which was I feel very very brave because especially with the bash lack bash lack ooh English thank you baby you know English came on a boat some of it fell off on the way here it's fine <laughs> so especially with the backlash that can come just with breathing as a queer person it's like oh queer people breathe too loud so now the fact that you're like out here showing our high key messy and showing like how things can be super super like like, just really messed up. Like, really. Should I be an activist or should I just be a researcher? So that and we have had those problems to just 
shine through. Like we wanted to be as honest as possible and to show the diversity of thoughts. Like if it's problematic, it's still there. So so like that. So your so your inner activist did not try and kick in. Your inner like no unpack gender, unpack the patriarchy because like you can feel. After that, after the interviews were over, I was like, I'm sorry. Now Gina's here, and we gotta talk about these problematic things that you have. I think we should dissect it. And because we had gotten friendly and we had discussed all these intimate things, it was easier to have those conversations because this activist was not gonna let it go. It's not gonna let it slide. No, but it's fine because there's times I'd read it and I'd want to like if I hadn't been reading it on a PDF I would have had my highlighter out being like this shit problematic unpack the patriarchy no 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 but it's fine but because the thing is it is messy like life is messy and I love the way that it that comes through even in the way that the book is structured like it's a series of stories because I was because I like to plan my life so when I got it I was like alright cool this thing must be coming in chapters chapter one love and the chapter then I just saw a series of like titles different stories different stories and, and even the titles were not telling me anything like there's one focused on joy I'm like what has that told me as a chapter <laughs> like like Tiff like Tiff the focused as like Manda Boo calls me love you Manda she's outside I love her so much I miss her so much Sienna says hey Manda uh, to send Manda back in you gonna sit with me you gonna be happy I'm just saying that <laughs> Your voice is amazing, but I'd love to talk to Manda too. Okay, fine. So, I'm just this no, it's fine. It's fine. Let me just warn her. Manda, yeah. figure out two questions. You're going to come ask them to Zena right now. Wow. Because apparently I'm not good enough. So, okay. So, no, it's. Babes. No, ooh, damn. Mm, yes, queen. Yes. But, like, wait. Let me, let me finish with you, and then Manda will come and ask you two questions, and then we will wrap up this interview thank you for being on skype but like okay so no no no, actually this it's not even a question can we talk about this story where the woman ends up being godmother to her girlfriend's baby can we just sean sean that's some days of our lives bullshit bro that's days of our lives meets igoli recently came and I saw you though I saw you though like I was in Nigeria like a little while ago and I got to see also she cooked for us okay people who are listening to this podcast you need to know she cooked for us it was fucking amazing and that's not the point but like even those one time I was talking and everyone has had that experience of so hey I've got a husband but like you down to fuck or not like not even down to fuck like are you down to be my full-blown partner and then I've also heard stories where somebody has a husband and you are their partner and then they expect you to not date anyone else you're like yeah. Nigga, what? 
<laughs> you gotta be faithful. Like partners, it's so so weird. But it's also one of the main reasons why we needed to put out this collection of stories mm-hmm. to show that life with two women was very possible right here in Nigeria. Yes. Succeeded in it. Like the story of this woman who's in like in her older years and raising a family and has acceptance from all these people. We need to show people that this thing happens and you don't have to shack up with a man. To be happy and have a girlfriend on the DL. Uh uh-uh, uh, not anymore. It's 2018. It's 2018. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? It's 2018. Wow, guys, also, sometimes men can be a lot. They can be a lot. My mom, my, shame, mommy, you must just, uh, like, forgive me for always putting you on blast, but, um, so me and my mom were discussing marriage the other day, and she was like, yeah, no, having a husband is like having a first child. I was like, what? I'm like, what? So now we must both grow. And then, I, that sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. Oh, no. no, I don't want that. No, thank you. A whole adult. We cannot be dealing with a whole adult. But, no, so we must wrap up this interview. Amanda has wandered off. Like, I can't even find her now. Like, because we're, we're not in our homes. Like, I don't know. I will find a way to invite myself again to talk about security, yeah. wellness, oh. or how to do the sexy on all the digital platforms and still be safe. Actually, do you, do you know what you should come and do a podcast on? Okay, so the thing we always do with this podcast is we're always selling dreams, eh? But we're not selling dreams. Sometimes we sell realities. But you should come and, like, talk to us about the whole thing of, like, sending safe nudes and things. Yeah. Because people like, like to do that. Because people like to send nudes, eh? Right? Anybody trying to go viral? No one in like 2018 oh, is trying to go viral. I'm happy to go viral if the pictures are the right pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing that and you and you do and you're doing that like Beyonce squat. That squat. When you start being used on billboards <laughs> and like Jurex is hollering at you being like, so we have a campaign. Like what you feeling though? I'm looking all that hotness and it goes to another woman. Uh-huh. And like no, it's all the things. It's all the things. My baby, you but firstly let me just say that you guys have done well. So well. Thank you. And we are so grateful for this like collection of stories. It's so like, dude, I love it. It's messy, it's wild, it's life, it's chronicling, it's archiving, it's yes. It's yes. It's so so funny, like the drama that comes through, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I really hope that people pick a copy and they enjoy it. And again, I know that uh, a ton of you people are too far, but Kassar Republic has also pledged to give a certain number of copies free to people in the community, so that's mm-hmm. great because it's our story. That is great. So, and also, not just giving out free copies, they're also sending a certain amount of the profit back to communities that deal with fair women. So, please buy copies, people. So, how can people buy copies? How can people buy copies? We will put all of the information of how you can buy a copy in the show notes but I would like for our editor to tell us how can people buy copies so right now you can pick up copies of the Cassava Republic stores and also bookstores around Nigeria but if you're not in Nigeria there's an Amazon link and it delivers and there's also the ebook that you can buy 
So whatever media works for you, it's available to you. Ooh, so I will get all of those links and the wildness and Hala Africa will share all of those links yeah. about how to get things yeah. digitally. I allow you to read the first 60 copies for free. Ooh. Oh my days Oh snap First 60 copies for free Oh the first 60 copies Or pages uh, Sorry The first 60 pages Sorry sorry And we, Yeah no Yeah bro Because next thing you know Like in like 15 minutes The 60 copies are gone And we've already sold yeah. dreams But okay So the first 60 pages For free Okay yes 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 So all those links Will be put Within The show notes So just look Below this podcast And if you're listening To it digitally Then we will find a way Of like Proliferating that link But it's fine So I'm just gonna say Thank you sweetheart All the way from Abuja You are our first Skype call You are our first Skype call Like we are testing Life on you Happy to be your first Yeah you know It's okay You you gotta break your virginity <laughs> Okay thanks for having me Kate. Thank you so much for being here Manda loves you wherever she be right now But she will be back Guys, also let me just say I do still have a co-host Like, this is how rumors start flying Oh, she done fired that bitch No Amanda is still my spirit room animal thing Okay, somebody told me we shouldn't say spirit animal But anyway, that's not the point Thank you so much for being here with us And for telling us all the things And for breaking down the process Because sometimes we like to peek behind the curtain People will love it and enjoy it. And now you must hang up and get off my thing. I will signal you right now. Let me wrap up. Hang up so I can wrap up my podcast. Alright, bye. Bye, sweetheart. And that is the end of the wildness podcast. And even though my baby boo's not here, I'm just gonna say we out. Bitch! Podcasts are recorded, mixed, and mastered by Leon Erasmus at the Digital Fanatic Studios in Morningside. For more information, check out the website www.digitalfanatics.co.za. Podcast artwork by Mbali Yellow Sunflower.